You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 227, and I'm your host, Tom Gallo. This edition of Look at My Records features an interview with Don Moraga and Tim Lusk of the North Carolina post-punk band Core Deluxe. Recently, the band shared their second full-length album, Media, a towering, eclectic-sounding record that melts elements of shoegaze, multiple eras of punk rock, dream pop, and more, while tackling themes and feelings of uncertainty, division, and human connection. During the interview, I spoke with Don and Tim about the process behind writing and recording the album, early musical inspirations, Tim's surprising familial connection to a country music legend, and much more. Don and Tim also picked some awesome records from my collection, including choice cuts from The Minutemen, Blonde Redhead, Corridor, and The Appleseed Cast. Don't miss Core Deluxe performing live this Friday, May 5th at SIP Studios in the Journal Square section of Jersey City. For more information, check out the link in the description for this episode. We'll dive into our interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look At My Records, they're available on all streams platforms, please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look at My Records website, where you can find reviews, premieres of new music, playlists, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. All right, I'm here with Don and Tim of Core Deluxe. The band's new record, Media, is out now. Really exciting. It's an awesome album. Don and Tim, how are you today? Good. We're good. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. That's nice. Totally. And how's it feel to have this record out in the world? It's a follow-up to a seven-song record you put out in uh, 2020. Finally, that's the word that comes yeah, to mind first. Two <laughs> years, it, so much as to where, um, as as much as I love some of the songs, and maybe we'll get into that, as some of the ones that were the later songs of the album that we recorded are more like what we're creating now. So I, I would say within six to ten months, I bet you we'll throw an EP out because we already are working on some different sounds i guess you would say we just had a lot of pent-up 2020 covid um angst you can read some of the reviews that people have done about it and you feel it like in whose side and um a few of those songs and it just was healing the album for us to get it out it was like our therapy album and um and also a it evolved as the emotions change. It's kind of really cool actually like to listen back now. Cause we're like, you can hear the, the atmosphere switches. And one of the review people actually, I think said that they were like, you can totally hear the differences of some of the stuff. And, and, and as, as it evolved, we wanted to get it out. Probably. I don't know. Like I felt like we would have liked to have had it out last year. It just was a matter of, Everything happens in its proper timing, you know? Yeah. We never pitched to any label. We never did. So that wasn't holding us up. It was more of, I guess, just finishing and mastering, mixing. It takes a lot longer than you think. Yeah. 
Well, you always think a lot of times when you're working on a project that it's going to be faster than it is. You're like, let's just record it, get it mixed, master it, and then just put it out there so we can start working on other stuff. Because, you know, it, the, it felt like everything shut down. Wait, as the, that other album was releasing, actually, when it was being pressed, yeah, they um, we were getting vinyls made. They sent us a video of them actually shutting off the machines while our machine, our <laughs> Our albums were being pressed. You could like see it like do that, and then that, that was it, and they shut it down. Um, and then that's right when we started recording. Yeah, that was the be- the end of the, the beginning and the end of Dream Life. I feel like I I know I shouldn't say that about our first album, but for us, I felt like we all agreed it was like a diary of what we were starting to become. And then it got on the press and shut down, and the world kind of shut down, and then. It was almost like this, I wasn't as depressed as I, of course, we all wanted to like play live, but everything else was depressing. So we couldn't just focus on that. So we had to take it out and write new stuff. But I also think it was good because we evolved as musicians and our sound changed in a big way. From first, I don't know if you remember listening to some of Dream Life, but it was very... At more atmospheric, I call it like the cinema type sounds. And then we kind of dove into the more post-punk elements on this album. I kind of think that when we first started recording, it was whatever happened when we all got back into the room together and started playing music. Oh, for it, it, it wasn't like beforehand, like, let's write us music and songs about being stuck. And, and how we feel about all the junk that's going on. Like, it just kind of evolved into that later on. We were just really excited to start playing again. And now that it's finally out, it feels really good. Yeah. Was there any song that we actually came to the table and was like, this is an idea. Let's make this into a song on the last... Mm-hmm. I don't think there's we not... Don't, we don't write like that. On on We did on the first album one or two songs, though. So on this album, it was all completely organic emotion. Like and we just record it with our phones, and if something was like goosebumpy, then we would keep going. So, what's that process like then? Tell me about it. Do you have a set time as a band uh, that you really religiously stick to? That you practice once or twice a week, and you come with ideas, or is it more free formed and flowing and different than what? I think someone would typically expect probably both of those in one. So we used to with this album meet actually a lot every Tuesday and Thursday, Mm -hmm. sometimes even Sundays we would get together. And so Tuesday and Thursday nights, um, we would just get together. And most of the time we would jam for the first 20 to 30 minutes and see where it took us. And that's how all of our new songs were created. And then we would, practice three or sometimes you know four of our songs that we had already created and then um we actually um at the very last song we recorded was rumors and our drummer um decided to leave because of some he he was able to have um a different change in his occupation and had some you know stuff going on and it was like almost like a farewell, but like in a non-negative way, it hurt. Like, cause you're losing a family member, but 
it was yeah, almost like, like a good thing. So you couldn't be upset. Like he was like going on to something different in life. And, and, and this album, um, was, you know, part of his diary as it was like Oliver's. I know I keep saying that, but it was very like how we write is not one person like Dawn or Tim or John or Dane at the time. No one ever came in the room and said, this is the chord structure. This is what you play. We've never done that. And so, um, like the gray and slogans were Dana's, you know, songs, I would say they, they were the ones that like, that he wrote some of the lyrics and, and really felt passionate about rumors was the one song that I put my foot down after playing it a few times. And I was like, y'all have to like this song. Cause I really like this song. <laughs> Please love this song. It was like, it was to me like, um, the one song that really like I felt one with and syncopated too. But, um, I don't know. I think that the, the different part for us was when we got a new drummer who is crazy, amazing drummer. And, you know, just super awesome guy. He lives three hours away. So we have to utilize our space like different now we have to like but yeah. he's so easy to play with that we were so worried about are we going to be able to make music again like we did before because we had we did have that tight schedule like you're yeah. talking about where we were playing two nights a week before that on the other end we were playing three nights a week like yeah. always the same days usually for the same amount of time and it was a lot more structured and then with the with thomas with this new song that doesn't have a name we just kind of wrote it He's such a good drummer that he can remember things like one time he's got it in his brain, just one of those brains. But I think that like we wrote that on, on tour, didn't we? Pretty much. We just were like, let's play it. We yeah. were just, it evolved so on tour. It's, it's definitely still evolving. Different than before. It's not as structured. It's definitely a little bit more yeah. linear, you know, whenever he can come here or if we're going to play a show and something we have to get ready for, he can come into town and we can, work on these stuff and go through our set to get ready to play shows. Cool. So that's the here and now of core deluxe and the media. And you're working on new songs with a new drummer, Thomas, who I met at Alphaville in Brooklyn recently, super nice guy with a great name, but tell me a little bit about <laughs> how this project uh, started. Don and Tim, I know you met in Tim's, shop in 2018 has the dynamic of the band changed over time what do you remember about those first uh, encounters practices jamming together and you know compare it then and how has it progressed to where we're at now i want to hear what you had to say because i talk a lot and then I'll, i will say one thing from the very first time i played oh, music ahead. with you so I um, am not a trained musician and have played guitar since I was like on my rooftop at 15 learning, you know, Nirvana riffs. Like, you know, I've like played for a long time by myself and very few times played with a group of people. And um, I know it's so dorky to say, but I don't know. Like anytime you see a good documentary on a band, they always say the same thing. It never really matters what you know musically as long as you find the people that you fit like a puzzle piece with. And when I played with Tim 
for the first few times. One of the times was sitting on a floor in an unfinished apart apartment building they were building and the acoustics were so crazy beautiful and then I remember sitting there playing acoustics and I don't know it just was like this like energy that happened and I knew from then that I wanted to like write some music with Tim because like it it just was like easy and I've never had like anyone that I played music with that it was just like I was, I would normally be scared and nothing was scary and it was all like beautiful. And I remember like being like, whoa, what just happened? And, and so I don't know, we'll have to ask him what he thinks. And now we'll flashback to now. Now, the only thing I would say that's different is we play off of each other so well that we have a, a certain sound that we do. We're trying to pull it out of the box and, and kind of surprise attack each other in different ways to make us change a little bit. And so, like, I would say that's the now is, like, we're going to try to mess with people a little bit and, like, do some things that are a little bit outside of our normal box. I, I would say that's my now. But here, you can go now. <laughs> yeah. well, I feel the same way. I mean, I've played with a lot of different – I've been in a lot of different bands and I've played with a lot of different musicians. And – um there are improvisation is my favorite. And I think that that's where a lot of songs that in every band that I've ever been in that, uh, that were my favorite that spawned from improvisation, like that happened on accident. And a lot of bands that I've been in where they try to do the purpose accidents, if that makes any sense. Like a lot of times it would throw it off or it wouldn't have the same feel. Um, but playing with them then when we first started to, together and we started basically creating most of the songs from improvisation and then now kind of it, it's it's the same for me yeah. it's the same for me happy accidents is that like a movie or something like that happy little accidents or tim believes a, like an album? tim believes and i was just reading a fax interview maybe it was with chicago reader i don't know but they i think they write some of their stuff similar i, I meant to message them about that but like, I really like to hear that because a lot of bands that I talk to, there's one person that comes to the table with certain things and um, and kind of write the song and tell the people what to play. The only thing that we're doing is maybe coming up with a 10 to 15 second riff and being like, hey, John, Thomas, mm. what do you think of that? We never can take it further than that because then I feel like it you're telling someone what to play versus seeing how they write the story themselves. Yeah. If you had four chefs in the kitchen, <laughs> you probably, you know, would work together to make the dish. You know, if one person's like, I'm just making this dish and this is what it is. The restaurant's going to be like, well, that's your dish, you know? So I guess, I don't know if that's a good analogy, but I think we're all pretty passive together too, which is kind of cool. Chefs in the kitchen and happy accidents, I think is basically what answer the question sounds like it requires <laughs> a lot of trust amongst uh each other too to to collaborate yeah. like oh that. what that brings up a subject too about how like we don't have some bands have like an idea of what they're supposed to sound like maybe or at least a core acorn of it you know and then like they don't want to deviate from that we definitely want to be you know and I guess when you think about an actor that played in maybe a trilogy and then every time he tries to get another role, they're always trying to stick him in something that's similar and it's hard to break away from that. Like as a band, you kind of have that same thing. We don't want to 
stick to any genre. What's well, funny is like we get yeah. we get on like DKFM a lot. The shoegaze, the shoegaze uh, radio station, right? DKFM. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I feel like yeah. we get too far. They're going to be like, no more, no more quarter logs, no more. <laughs> but we don't really fit into any you know? of the. It's like I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna surprise you with what we're doing next. But it's like I definitely think that I don't want to be. Pigeonhole, and yeah. I, I really love what people are writing about like the interesting mixes and you know like the whole shugazi comment was mentioned to us a long time ago and i've always loved that um or like everyone's trying to put you in a category so I, like now i tell people we're just post pompeii because everyone's there's nothing so new like we're just like whatever it's hard not to do that as far as when i hear like a new song or a new band you know, the, a lot of times, like, oh, there's a little bit of this in there. There's a little bit of that in there. And then I try to, it, it's hard not to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Even, you know. And as long as you don't say this is what you are, and if you're going to deviate from that, then we're not going to buy your albums anymore. We're not going to, we're going to be like, you know. We are independent right now, though. I will say, I'm like, I'm really proud that we, like, have kind of, just chose to do everything on our own for right now. I mean, if it makes sense and the right person comes along, but let's face it, artists aren't making anything. Even bigger artists are struggling. Yep. I mean, with what the industry is paying, it's like we all have day jobs. We all have businesses. Um, you know, he has his own shop. John's a farmer. <laughs> Thomas has got his job. I'm a full-time artist. I mean, we all yep. have, this is our this is our fun yeah. healthy space for right now um if we had to depend on it full time those are the artists that i think about all the time like you know yesterday or friday when our album came out i was online trying to buy other people's stuff because especially the artists that are full time on tour cuz the rates of traveling and what percentage each artist are getting paid i mean it's crazy you know, there's no more, you know, buying an album and wanting, you could stream it right away, you know. You get like a fraction of a penny or something like that. Well, it's not, it's not about the money. What was the old CDs that used to like check the boxes and get in the mail? Yeah. You know, you would go through the order form. Those were fun. I always thought that it was a scam. No, it was for real. It, it wasn't was a scam. scam. I, I would get those. Parents. What was it called? Columbia um, House. Columbia. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Yes. I racked up so much money. I, I got so much trouble. My favorite thing was getting tapes. Got from Liz people. Fair, the Breeders. Like I got, got it all. <laughs> very cool. So the writing process is very collaborative. How about the recording process, Tim? I know you recorded and engineered the record, uh, this record, Media, and the first record, uh, Dream Life. Uh, what was it like for you being in the band and then also being behind the board. Is that challenging for you or is that uh, something you kind of prefer to do? I prefer to do what I like doing it. The most challenging part of it was kind of relaying to them the struggle. You know, the, it, it's, I'm the only one that lives in this house and the studio is downstairs. So I'm the one that's down there tweaking the snare hat. Yeah, I mean the snare, the, um, like the snare sound, and then listening to it all the way through, and making sure there isn't any pops or clicks. I mean, I'm the one that's sitting there, you know, For panning, hours. 
panning the drums just a little bit and then going back and then the vocals and the, doing all of that on the first album. The second album, we actually had it mixed. I still, we still did all the recording. Here, yeah. But um, <clears throat> we actually had this, the, this album, Media, we had it mixed with Rena. Um, with Rena. 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 Oh, Rena? Rena? I think it's Rena. Let's say both, just in case. <laughs> Rena Rena from Sound Pony. And she actually did, like, like, just blew me out of the water, like when we would get the mixes back. I mean, you can hear the difference. I think I did a pretty good, you know, I think I did a pretty good job on the, on the first album <laughs> with the mixing for what we had. And um, I did feel confident that we could record the, the second album here and get good takes. And that is the hardest part. You know, we would we, we uh, play the song all the way through, and right at the very end, my computer would crash. Oh, my God. That happened on one of our best recordings. Like a really good take? Because we record <laughs> live. You know, we don't... Um, we, uh, I mean, we go in and fix some stuff, but, I mean, that's just how it works. But a huge percentage of the recordings is All the live drums. recording. You know, we, um, we'd we overdub some fixes here and there and, like, some beefing up the guitars and, of course, you know, recording the vocals after. Um, yeah. And stuff, but... Uh, we've never gone and done a proper with a producer in studio and we probably will I don't know I might I don't know I couldn't imagine that producer just getting there and just being like y'all need to do that four times y'all need to come in strong right there and just be like man go outside <laughs> or something I don't know but um, we can you know I, don't know I will say as far as her, like Tim is one of the most patient members of the band actually everyone like is pretty good temperament like but he's very patient and so the recording process he's more excited about well he's not more excited but we're all excited about the music but there's a sense of um and this was at the first album too and and i know that we'll probably look back at our next album and be like wow like we we like this stuff way better than the other stuff because every band kind of should get to the point to where they're progressing mm -hmm. but um yeah we would finish some of them that when the computer didn't crash <laughs> where the notes are ringing out on the guitars and the drums have stopped and we had the headphones on and cause you know, we, we recorded them all live, like you said, and we would be like shaking with um, hair on our arms of that energy of, we knew we had it. And I, those are the moment, those are the moments. And also the moments where I was saying how we've evolved now with, with Thomas we were so worried that we wouldn't be able to do that with a new drummer because it's scary. It's like, it's very intimate. I mean, yeah. very intimate it'll, to create music and, it'll feel and, like it, a, and it happened fast with him because he was able to, to just like jam with us and we're like, okay, we got this and create some really cool stuff. But he also has this way of stepping back and being like, what do you, what do you think about if we do this? And like, and I love that. Like, I love like his energy of creating. He's such a, like a, like an enthusiast for music that like yeah. he, he's, he's going to bring a lot to whatever we create mm -hmm. next. And so I'm excited to see where it goes. Super cool. Recording. <laughs> and I think you alluded to it earlier, but this record media sounds a lot different when compared to dream life. You know, it feels more urgent and livelier. Uh, what do you can? What do you think contribute to that change in direction and in sound? Ooh, just, uh, well, maybe a mixture of everything. What was going on 
fear of what the future was going to be, the excitement of being able to meet back together. I mean, the first time that that everyone was wanting to uh, meet up with other people when quarantine was over or whenever it kind of vaguely was over, whatever. Um, that's the first thing that we all wanted to do was start start recording. It's weird how it looks. You look back and it's almost like a blur, but it was two years really. And that was the length of us holding on to it almost. Mm-hmm. Or was it more? I mean, but, technically, because it's still going on. But the excitement of that and the different stuff that we were listening to. Yeah. Um, I, I think that subconsciously, of course, all of us, without admitting it or not, if you can, um, the stuff that you listen to definitely gets in there. Oh, and, it, sure. and then little pieces are going to come out. And I think um, we were listening, we were all, I think, listening to like... Like different stuff, I guess. During I was listening time, to some heavy stuff, you know, when I would work out and stuff like Black Sabbath, the Police Very Strange. Well, some people, it depends on your level of heavy, but you know, just like some. I, was, I always go back to Blonde Redhead, always in, in my life, like since the the early 2000s. I, you know, I've always gone back to listening to them, and, and so I was listening to them a lot. I was listening to Idols and Protomartyr, like just oh yeah, Protomartyr back and forth and back and forth, like just a lot. Because I didn't know about either one of those bands, and I think, and there's a lot of music to catch up on. I think it's kind of sad in a way, but also happy when you find out about a band later on, and they have all this backlog, and you're just like, yeah, you know, and you can go on the trip from you know old to new or new to old or whatever that you want, or even all mixed up. Um, I mean, I guess it's easy for people like you, Tom, that like are so involved into to music to hear about everything. But it is if you lose three months, you're behind. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's so true. many bands. It really is crazy. It's like it's definitely. I've actually gone back to the '80s and on a lot of stuff to listen to. So I'm probably behind on a lot of the newer bands. So the music that we were listening to definitely affected it. What was going on in the world definitely affected it. Probably pretty cut and dry answer just everything that was swirling around us got sucked into it yeah including politics totally it's yeah interesting that you mentioned politics don because there was a lot going on during that time and i feel like it you know comes into play in a lot of the themes on the record and also comes into play with the title media tell me why you decided to name the record media and how it kind of reflects the themes of the record. Do you? Yeah. You do? Yeah. Well, I think one of the reasons why that we want to name it as how important it was to us, because I guess as musicians, like there are times where maybe, you know, you get engulfed in, in life and you're not really paying attention that much to media. And there's a certain, disconnect even just getting rid of cable tv and you know cutting the cord or whatever and not having news on all the time and um and then everything that was going on and how much that it was swelling and building up behind us that it kind of caught us off guard i guess and then listening to media and and paying attention to how much it affects what people regurgitate to each other no matter where what side they're on or where they're at in their life and I think that's why we wanted to name it that because that's how we felt. We felt not, I wouldn't say like betrayed by media. No, because it is important. And so like, you know, just like social media 
in media, and he just mentioned this in an, another interview, it's in the hands of the wielder and how you checkbox. There could be some photo of a certain event and someone writes something about it that's completely irrelevant to what how the event went down. And, and I think that nowadays... Um, there's depression from social media with teens. Yeah. There's um, politics you have to using dig to find all the facts in the situation before you talk to other people and stuff like that about it and and how you really feel from all of the information about stuff. And I uh, mean, I don't know. To me, to me, that time what period. What we're talking about is the exact reason why we named it that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and also to me, it was um, and and it was. It was a hard time for me to see friends turn on friends, whether they were on the right side, the left side, in the middle, kind of like somewhere lost like I am on, on all, like looking around and feeling like, oh, everyone's kind of messed up. Like, but I think that what I hated the most was the lack of kindness. And I know that's the hippie in me, I guess, but I really hated how much attacking was happening at the time. And so the band room was our safe space to be, to play music because I just, there was so much negativity. No matter what, and and I think Tim said it best, no matter what you believe, when you lose the ability, if you are a certain religion or a certain side of politics, to be able to, to have a conversation without anger, then you've lost. Like, you've lost if you've mm -hmm. already been able like to just hate someone without ha being able to have a hold of conversation. And so I, I feel like I was really struggling with, uh, like I'm very empathetic of people. It was like picking up on everyone's energy and, you know, I got vaccinated and having someone, you know, just bash me for that or, or whatever. Like, you know, there was so much like, weird stuff out there the way I would just like want to hide and make music or paint. I painted some, you know, some dark stuff during that time too, but it, it was also beautiful to see change and people like standing up and coming together. And, mm -hmm. and that's what I wanted to see more than anything was more of the positive stories, you know, you know, I don't know. Yeah. More of the positivity. And I feel like, as a yeah. mom, I wanted to show that to my daughter too, with 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 people standing together for Black Lives Matter and and the good stuff. You show her like people coming together versus like the division, you know. Well, media is also everything. Conversations, yeah. with even us right now talking about media is media, you know. Yeah. I guess, and the fact that it's going to be recorded and people are going to hear it is, you know, it all is. Every piece of information that you get is is media. You know, entertainment to a certain level, facts to a certain level, the blended area in between, you know. So yeah. that's why we did that. Very true. Syncopated is one of the singles on the record. Definitely a standout track as well. Dawn, I was reading you had something particular in mind when you wrote that song. Tell us a little bit about uh, what you had in mind when you wrote that song and what that track uh, is about. So kind of similar to what we were just talking about it. I just like the unity of man. Like it was just like, I wanted to see more syncopation of people working together versus tearing each other apart. And, um, 
I just, I just, in a, I paint every day in a coffee shop. My best friend owns a coffee shop, Ashley. And so like, I'll sit there and paint. And a lot of times I have headphones on, but I can still hear conversations and I'm like sitting there painting. And it, you know, you would hear people's views all day long. And then you would see some beautiful stories too, of like how people were able to work together. But, um, there's some lines in that song that, that were triggered by, you know, political views and, or just how people are so quick to, to bash each other. And one of them is, um, holding infants of the men you hate. And I get goosebumps when I like talk about this line, but it means a lot. Really good line. It's like, yeah, you can powerful. hold a child. You can, you can see that child for a child, but if you don't like the breed of that child or the religion of that child, by the time they're 18, you see them as an enemy. And so there's some stuff, you know, hills and sand walking around like you're in high, a businesswoman in high heels and sand. You're just sinking, like working for the man. So there's some, like a lot of stuff in that song, but the, um, I just, that song got me into this new song, like to where I was like, okay, I'm going to start yelling out what I want, you know, and I'm going to go for it. Um, and <laughs> I guess I can kind of like do a little fun like story. So after syncopated, I got almost like it, it helped me boost my um, ability to just, I don't play guitar in part of it. And that's the first song I don't. And I told him, I was like, I love having the break and just singing. Cause I could just focus on the delivery. Mm -hmm. And so this new song, we were talking and there's a part where I scream a line that, that Tim wrote and it's so like minute, but not, I guess is the, uh, you never twist the tie on the bread bag talking about how like small arguments and like, and I yell <laughs> that in the song, like you never twist the tie on the bread bag. But well, someone has to get to a really point of, um, <laughs> of upset with another person to, to, for that to bother them. Yeah. Like <laughs> you don't put the toilet seat down, but I think that like, um, syncopated was, the second to last song done. So that's the evolving. So we got through some emotions and then syncopated happened and then rumors. So syncopated and rumors are the last two. And that's what I was saying was the evolving of the band to where I think the stuff that's coming, I'm extremely excited about. Like for freedom, not, you go through a point on your first record, or maybe some people don't, good for them if they don't, where you're worried about what you sound like a little bit, you know, or you're worried about what you're doing, right? I, I struggled with that, so maybe it's not everyone, but the second album started a point to where I was like, I don't care anymore, you know, and it was probably halfway through the album and definitely syncopated. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm excited now that I don't care as much what happens next. <laughs> That's a good thing for sure futures great song seems like it was written at a time when i think the outlook on the future was bleaker than it is now uh so i was just curious tell us a little bit about your mindset when you wrote that song uh and if you feel that it's changed at all since then that was the first song that we wrote for that mm -hmm. album yeah before who side and then who side was next so Futures was um, Dana 
um, even though some of the reviews have been wrong. It's actually not Tim singing. That's the drummer. He had, he has I sing on amazing it now vocals live because I have to. But yeah, there's a couple songs on the album that we're not going to be able to play live. Yeah, Alex Logan's was Dana's voice. Dana had a great voice, the, mm-hmm. the drummer before, yeah. and um, and so Dana um wrote some of that, but it was when um when we were just seeing everything change, and I think. Well, I guess it depends on if you're looking at the media because I went into the gym. I don't watch the news as much because I, I deal with issues of like like depression yeah. when I see stuff like that, especially as a mom. Once you have a once you have a kid, and this might not be the same for everyone, but for me it was. I never had anxieties. I wasn't scared to f- like do certain things like fly heights as much, but I had a kid. I bought a Volvo to protect her. I was <laughs> yeah. like, do whatever. Like I was one of those people like, like – so now everything is scary because I'm like, oh, my God, what do I need to do? And so um, and during that time, it you know was like family, community-based, tie-in together. And then um, the future was weird. And we were just trying to like not hide it from her, but make sure that she didn't have anxiety like adults did yeah. about it, you know? And so now I would say... Of course, there's the positivity of, and it's kind of cool, actually. I think I might have said this to you in New York, but I'm not sure if it was you or not. But I gave someone a hug, and I was like, I just love hugging yeah. now because for so long, it was almost the interaction was like weird. And so I remember the first shows that we played, we weren't as touchy, but now it's like I go in for the hug. You know, I'm like, give me a hug. <laughs> but um, but as far as politics, like news and stuff now i was fine until i saw some stuff you know predictions of some reporters saying we're going to war with china or something <clears> the other day and i was like okay i'm at it i'm not gonna look at the news right now you know that's just not how i have to handle it and i actually have a friend of mine this is gonna sound silly but she gives me the top news for the week usually in a phone call of what i need to study up on without <laughs> without a lot of the negatives so that i don't have to spiral <laughs> it's kind of cool to have someone like so is that. that the definition of welcome to the future that there's always going to be some weird stuff in the future so yeah so everything with the song is still the same wow interesting yeah. great song i really enjoyed the intro to snap out of it it sounds like it has some sampled uh spoken word piece in there what are we hearing in the very beginning of that song? And tell us a little bit about "Snap Out of It." You mean like the the vocal part? Yeah, yeah. No, the um the radio the radio voice. Oh, that, that was world world on. Didn't we sprinkle? Um, oh no, world world um world. I can't say it right now. War, 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 war of the world. of the worlds. World. H.G. Wells. Yes. There you yeah. go. War cool. World. It's it's very vague, I guess. I don't even know if you listen to it, if you can even hear that. It was more of the feeling, yeah, it, the, the talking, one of the voices, what we wanted, and us knowing what it was from. And because you know the story, the hysteria. That it caused like, I mean, when it was read on was the radio, real. yeah. People thought it was oh, real. Yeah. Crazy. And I'm wondering if because if he didn't do that, I wonder if they if it would have been a little bit longer in the evolution of news if they would have learned that you could, you know, the shock value of a chunk flew off the sun. Oh my God, we're all going to die. Or now the core of the earth is spinning the wrong way. The scientists just found out or something like that, you know, and then you end up clicking on it, you know, clickbait earlier, clickbait, 
you know, um, but the hysteria that was caused as far as what I heard, listening, you know, um, reading stories about what happened is, you know, it was, you know, it people, wasn't a true story and then everyone was thinking that it was crazy real. Crazy stuff there, right? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I've heard some stuff. But that's why we put that in there. And then, you know, the the rest of the song kind of followed suit with that feeling of that. So that's why we wanted to stick that in there. Hopefully we don't get in trouble for it. <laughs> that's actually my scariest song cool. to perform yeah. live. I will be vulnerable and say that. Why is it scary for you? It's the only song where there's like empty space and where it's like a lot of off off notes. It's the first song that I've sung. No, it's not your singing. It's the, um, (laughs) it's, and I'm not a singer, but I was really wanting to sing on that song. It is your first song. So he has that people have said in, in reviews that he has the Lee Hazelwood, like deep voice, which is this totally. amazing. But guess what? I just found out today. Don't say. He just told me today out of the blue that he is, his relations that go back. He's related to freaking Roy. Oh Rocky. wow! <laughs> is he like a great uncle oh, or something? That's why you have that. So she found out this morning we're sitting in a parking lot at a beach access, and I just I don't even know what it came up for. I just said it, and then. So she starts looking up songs, and she's got this little little curl in her lip, like this real <laughs> smile, like she's just going to tear me up with all of it. And she finds some Roy Rogers songs on Spotify. and That's why you have that voice, that, like... I don't know. I might have a voice. Got a knife in your back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> so it's your mom's side or your dad's side, Tim? Roy Rogers. Well, I forget. I even texted my aunt to find out, because I... Um, I'm pretty sure that it's from my father's side of the yeah, family. Yeah, Because on my it's on Italian. my mom's side of the family, like they they came here from Italy, so that I don't know how that would happen. They would have had to get busy like right away. I don't know how the time you know <laughs> yeah. to get all the way out west with his cowboys. I don't even know if Fort Rogers is a real cowboy. I don't know. We should look it up. We should do. I don't know, but they used to have really good chicken. Oh yeah, I loved Roy Rogers as a kid. Sadly, yeah. not many they are were, around anymore. Wait, it's a restaurant? Yes. You don't remember where it was? No. <laughs> it was Hardy's bought him out, I think, and that, which is sad because I didn't know that. Fried at all. chicken and roast beef sandwiches were their special. Yeah, like they were north? like they were like Arby's and Wendy's mixed yeah. or something like that. They had good chicken nuggets, good fries. They had the best milk and shoot. a fix they a fixins bar. Where you could get like cucumbers and tomatoes and shit. How yeah, come I've so never you could build one. it up and <laughs> And just make yeah, they had the fixings bar. That was that was so great. Well, maybe he's from like Maryland. Maybe it's like a north of mm. yeah, north thing. Let's we're gonna research this time. Yeah. We'll be back. <laughs> he was uh, Roy Rogers. I mean, yeah, he's what a guy, Roy Rogers. What a guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why well, could have been John Wayne or something like that though? <laughs> All right, so now we're going to hear two songs from Core Deluxe's new record, Media. We're going to hear Futures and Rumors. And again, you can see Core Deluxe this Friday at Sip Studios in Jersey City and on Saturday at Our Wicked Lady in Brooklyn.
We just heard two songs from Core Deluxe's latest record, Media. We heard Futures and Rumors. And of course, as I mentioned before, we heard those great songs 
You can see Core Deluxe on Friday at SIP Studios here in Jersey City. They'll be playing alongside Tom Barrett, CR and the Nuns, and Sean Kiley. I'm DJing. The legendary Hoboken Jack Silbert is emceeing. It's going to be a great, great show. Super excited to have Core Deluxe on the bill. And they'll be playing at Our Wicked Lady on Saturday. And of course, you can get media via Core Deluxe. That's C-O-R-D-E-L-U-X dot Bandcamp dot com. Or listen on your streaming platform of choice. All right. So now we're going to do the record part. So we'll talk about the records and uh, songs you selected. All right. Starting with Dawn, you selected In an Expression of the Inexpressible by Blonde Redhead, and you picked the song Futurism versus Passism. Passeism. Yeah, that um, that and Distilled on that album. I love everything they put out, but I will be honest, I did not know that Gee from um, Gee um, produced three albums. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Like three of their albums. I have no idea, and he sings in that song. Like mm-hmm. I had, yeah, I had no idea. Gee from Fugazi sings, and yeah. that's the vocal on that song. And I remember hearing that he was a part of one of them, and I never knew that he produced um, from that album on. He, I think he produced Misery is a Butterfly and Melody of a Certain Damaged Lemons. He produced all three of those. And and what I love about, it's not even, I, I chose that song so, like because I'd learned something new from looking into yeah. it more. I just assumed... <clears throat> that it was, you know, the whole blonde redhead vocals were all blonde red, blonde redhead. But I don't know. I, I, I love them because she gives me goosebumps when she sings. But also because I don't know why. I can't explain why you love something. There's people that give you goosebumps, and they've always done that. Distill the guitars. Like I crank that one section of that one song, and I'm just like. Oh my God. Like, and then they just drop it off. You think they're going to get like, just break out of it and go heavier. And then they're just like, no, screw you. We're going to stop it right here. And so like, there's like certain elements of blonde redhead that like, that I love because they have always seemed from the start that they're in their own room doing music and they really don't care what anyone thinks. And I know they, you know, they were like criticized hard from certain people about this is like too weird or whatever like well they have a lot of different sounds yeah they do like they they definitely do um we we did a cover during actually during covid tim and i worked on because there was a while when we didn't meet with the band was it two months like i don't remember how long everything was during quarantine where i just had to play music so i was like do you want to do a cover of 23 with me we haven't finished it all the way vocally because it was really hard oh my god <laughs> to try to do that so yeah. i might share it with you if i ever i don't think it might not ever be released but it's like one of the hardest <laughs> oh my god it was there's amazing parts to it though mm-hmm. like i even have these little song. kids do some background vocals and it 
And it was really fun, but there's some areas where I'm like, oh, my God, I can't do this. <laughs> but, yeah, I love them. I, they're a big influence in my life. That's another band that I hadn't that I hadn't heard of. Before, and there's before a lot of music to catch up on, which is great. Yeah. The Minutemen, Double Nickels on the Dime. And for a song, you picked The Glory of Man. I love the guitar work and bass on this, but I also, I don't know. I really love their story. I love how independent yeah. they were and how they met as like childhood friends and the whole story. What is it? The, the jam. Econo, we jam Econo documentary and you learn, you know, more about them and about his death. And I'm not sure who it was in, in Sonic Youth that got him out of, um, got Mike Watt out of the, I heard it was someone from Sonic Youth that got him out of the funk and decided to do fire hose um, because he, he lost his best friend. And they talk about that. They talk about the history of, um, starting to play music, they weren't trained and they're, you know, Steven's mom just let them jam and like influence them to play together. And they didn't even know what a bass guitar was. I remember like hearing, he just thought it was like <laughs> two guitars on stage. It was just the, the documentary is like really cool to like listen to how they form music and they would just get together and how it evolved from psych rock into, you know, Captain Beefheart stuff into what it is when, they were playing was just what came out naturally of them two together, you know, and then they of course got, I think a few different drummers, but I love Captain B for <laughs> But I, um, I love, I love that album and I love the energy of Mike Watt and TV. And I, I did learn something about them that I had never known before, but do you know when their last show was and where it was in, uh, South Carolina, uh, opening for REM, I believe. Right. North, North Carolina, Carolina yeah. North, yeah. yeah. It was, they did the, um, damn, I can't remember what song they did, but they did a cover oh, See of, No Evil was the last song, and they all television. played it together, yeah. Television, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Um, but I was, I, I was like, from North Carolina, I was like, holy shit, their last show was yeah. um, in North Carolina, but... It's so yeah. It's so sad. So D Boone uh, passed away in 1986, five, five yeah, six, and it was because he's in a car accident driving from Phoenix back to to Los Angeles. It's actually really sad. A, a few years ago, I don't know if you're familiar with this band from the UK, the UK called Hers. They like died on the the same stretch of road. They were a really promising oh. up and coming band. Uh, that were touring the states. I didn't know. I oh, didn't know about the that. same trip. I don't know. It's a long stretch. Yeah, it's a long. It's, it's a really it, long between trip. Phoenix and uh, Los Angeles, I believe, uh, in a van yeah. accident. He lived out there. Yeah, I've done that drive a couple times. It's Me one of those too, things yeah. where it's like, it's like Pac-Man is eating the little dots yeah. down the road because just so long I, and 
you know. Uh, I read the interview where his fiance. That actually, I regret reading it. it. Just made me really sad. Just the whole story of what happened and and how the. Yeah, because she was she driving. Was yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no. And she, her um, sister is um, was paralyzed for life. I want to say, or something happened to her from it, and then he passed away. But she came out. 28 years later to tell the story of how like the, the axle broke or something, the wheel broke off. And, you know, of course when adrenaline kicks in, I think you black out instantly. Like, or at least I have, I've actually done that in an accident before. So, um, but I, I just, I don't know. I mean, you watch like old videos of them play and the energy and the crazy thing for me was watching you know, them do something outside of the box of straight punk, straight just riffs and like hard riffs and do something totally different. And how some people ate it up and then some people would just spit on them. And they were talking about like people spitting and it landing in, yeah. in D Boone's uh, mouth. And, and and then you watch his reaction. I watched the video of how he handled it. I and he's just like, looks at, you know, the energy that him and Mike Watt had together as a team. They just kept playing. They were like, we're not getting on stage. We're just going to keep playing. But they never got angry. And I've been spit on by my sister actually one time. And i that's the only time I really remember losing my <laughs> shit. Like I lost it. I was like over. So I really had much respect after watching that video. I was like, whoa. Mm. Like they had great composure under fire, you know? Yeah. Tim, you're up now, and you picked a great band from Montreal, a band of French-speaking dudes who I've actually interviewed on this podcast before. They're super cool. Corridor, and this oh, is from man. their second album, no Super Mercado, which means supermarket, and you picked the song Oonlong Canal. Mm -hmm. My favorite part, the, the way that it starts off, I think, is what caught me. That, that little... Um, um, the part where it's, uh, I guess it's like a pitch transposer or something like, doo -doo -doo -doo, or something like that. And then it just comes in. I, I found out about them last year. So this is another band that I'm going to be able to, you know, deep dive into all their music, but I'm completely he loves in love them. with them. That's sound. all you listen to on road trips. Sometimes I'm like, come on, can we listen to something else other than corridor? But yeah, he has been diving. I feel like that, that, that it's my, it's. Look at his like, face. Look how excited he is. Like their music. Like you know how when you hear something really good as a musician, and and I hope that there's other musicians that are listening to this that know what I'm talking about, so I don't sound weird. Well, you're just like you're just like, damn. Not that about the good, but like I would. That's I would do that, or that's what I would do. It's like maybe a football player that's not playing football anymore that sees a game and they're just like, smash the head. <laughs> you know, or something like that. Like, that's how I feel when I hear really good stuff where I'm just like, not mad at it. I don't know how to, like, just like, oh, man, that is just so amazing. But what is it? The, the tone? tone? Yes, the tone. The guitars. Yeah, the great guitar back tone. And forth, and, and found out about, we just found out about them last year. And me and Dawn, a lot of times, maybe not, you can hear a little bit in the old album, a little bit in the new album, but a lot of times when me and her just play together, 
we we do those those battling guitars like that and and um hopefully we can do more of that with some newer stuff but that's i came across them on accident and i guess i have to be maybe ashamed of myself a little bit but you know i will just put on youtube and put on a band that i like and then just let it just keep going while i'm doing stuff around the house i don't know what i searched for but it came up with their kxp live set so that's my first introduction to them was their live set on kexp probably all the stuff we listen to from canada there's so many bands probably that you do right yeah but i was gonna get into the whole thing about you know like the algorithm algorithms are like fake friends that would just give you <laughs> mixtapes yeah. you know, but but sometimes they get it right i just wrote that down so i made sure that i wouldn't forget to say that because i was all proud of myself that i came up with it but a lot of people shame people that that do just let spotify rule what they do well, what they listen to, but the way that music is nowadays, unfortunately, and fortunately, you can find out about bands that you've never would have mm-hmm. heard of. I never, I don't think if I, I probably would have, hearing the band name, seeing the album covers, I probably would have opened the bottle of wine and taken a sip, you know, because I really liked the way that it looked, you know, um, and the way that it sounded. And, well, you actually and introduced me to them, which is usually I'm the one like throwing stuff at you. So I'm like, mm-hmm. what are they on a label? Sub pop. Well, they, this record was released on a, a French label actually called uh, Requiem Pour Un Twister or something. And that, oh, that's out of London. <laughs> that's in London, right? Or no? Fran- uh, France. And um, this sub pop sub pop put out the record they put out a couple of years ago, and I'm sure they have another record they're going to put out soon. I didn't. I didn't even. I can't wait to hear where they where they go next. Yeah, totally. And that's that's really exciting. And I guess um, as far as the reason why I picked this song the most is one of my favorite things that songs do that that we sometimes do is not traditional changes. You know, this, then that, then this, then that, then this, then that, then back to this, then that, then this, then that, or whatever. But the way that the song shifts, I don't know, like, the minutes. I'm really bad about, you know, that kind of stuff. But there's a certain point where you probably know what I'm talking about if you know the song, where it switches into the outro part where it's different. Is that the song? Yeah, where the vocals do this weird, like, almost angelic, like, oh. I know there's one you play in the van all the time. I don't even know if it's that song, but. We have listened to this record without knowing the song names over and over, hours and hours from Tim. He's the driver. So I get, I get the the and my phone is the one that's connected because of the maps to the stereo system in the car. So <laughs> it's right within my finger. So. <laughs> track was uh by the Appleseed cast on reflection off of low level owl that that song well the way that that song builds it just seems like it's a continuous build and i think that's what that uh, um i mean i know that's probably one of the is that one of their um uh like more popular songs or something like that i don't know the one of the reasons he wanted to pick that is because um he thinks it's funny 
that we were all so influenced. Dan- the, early, the earlier band, Dana, me, and John yeah. were extremely influenced by Deep Elm. And so Tim's like, I don't even know this Appleseed cast band. So we made him go see him in 2018, yeah. 2019 yeah. with Cursive and Me Without You. Yep. I had and- a really fun night. I don't even remember the drive home. <laughs> it was a really fun night. It was, uh, they played with Cursive and Me Without You. And was I was so just fun. in awe the whole time. And one of the reasons why that I chose Appleseed Cast, and this is just one of my favorite songs by them, but the, is is um, out of your records and stuff, is because when we first started playing, we would jam some stuff, and then we'd be all and it excited was very symbol afterwards. Heavy too, and they would Dana. all say, "That's yeah. so Appleseed Cast," yeah. so, and I'd be like, "Who's that? What is that?" <laughs> and then we'd have, and they, and a lot of my riffs that I would come up with would sound like yeah, a lot of progressions would sound like them. To where even other people that we didn't know would say that kind of stuff. Like, too, I hear like a heavy Appleseed cast influence there from your guitar player. And I'm like, man, nah. <laughs> he had never heard of them until we like sat him down and, and let him listen. But the, the other three of us, of course, <clears throat> were really into them. So I was like, you got to choose that because it really was like this hidden, like, influence in your life and you don't even know it. Wow. That's so funny. <laughs> I went, and that goes back again where it just, you know, where I missed out on a lot of different bands. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess maybe where I was at the time or who I was hanging out with. And then I moved around from like Wisconsin, Chicago, Maryland, Virginia. I don't Phoenix. feel like you ever were that in the emo. And that's probably why you don't know who they were. Cause mm-hmm. they were definitely on emo compilations. <laughs> you know, like, and that's okay. Like, yeah, I don't know. Or I just, you know, like I said, I just kind of missed out on them at that that the key moment that I that I would have or should have, but maybe not. Uh-huh. Everything happens for a reason because now there's so much music that I can catch up on. Tim and Don, Corn Deluxe, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Everyone, Media is the new record by Cord Deluxe, and it's available to purchase at Cord Deluxe. That's C-O-R-D-E-L-U-X dot bandcamp dot com. Cord Deluxe has cassettes and CDs available, and of course you could also listen to it on your streaming platform of choice, but pick up a physical copy. All right, Tim and Don, thank you so much for chatting with me. Thank you very much. Sorry if if we talk, so I talk a lot. (laughs) We we both talk a lot, so we're we're the worst people to have together during an interview, but thank you. Tim and Don, it was my pleasure. I had a great time speaking with you. Again, everyone, Core Deluxe playing this Friday, May 5th at SIP Studios in Jersey City. Tom Barrett and the Cuts are also playing. Tom Barrett is moving to Nashville, and it's his last show with the Cuts as a Jersey City resident. So you're not going to want to miss it. CR and the Nuns and Sean Kiley are also on the bill. I'm going to be spinning vinyl all night. And the great Jack Silbert will be emceeing. 
more info on the show, you could go to lookatmyrecords.com. There's also a link in the description of this episode for more info and to purchase tickets. And of course, Core Deluxe will also be at Our Wicked Lady on Saturday. And we're going to play one more song before we end this episode. This song is called Ships, and it's the final track on Media.